And I think one element of building self-confidence is understanding and being your authentic self. That's easier said than done, though. It does take time and it can be a process. Um, but I realized that as soon as when I kind of left school and went into university, when I started being my authentic self, that's when everything started to build um, in terms of confidence. Hello everyone and welcome to the Student Lawyer podcast series. Whether you're at school, sixth form, university, thinking about a career in law or exploring law careers, you're in the right place. We are the one-stop shop for student lawyers. If you'd like to join the Student Lawyer as a writer, please email hello at thestudentlawyer.com. This podcast is brought to you by Feed Ignite. Welcome to the Student Lawyer podcast series. My name's Camilla and I'm an LPC student and future trainee solicitor. Today we are joined by Simran Courtman, a trainee solicitor at Womble Bond Dickinson, a YouTuber and a vlogger for lawcareers.net. And today's episode is going to be focused on improving confidence. Um, so, you know, I've got lots of questions for Simran today, so I'm not going to um, talk for too long. We'll, we'll welcome Simran onto the show. So welcome, Simran, and thanks for joining us today on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you. Um, so as a little icebreaker before we get into the show, would you mind telling the listeners a bit about your journey to becoming a trainee solicitor? Sure. So I guess I hate to be one of those people that's always like, oh, I knew I wanted to study law, but I kind of realized I wanted to study law at school um, because I just really liked kind of essay based subject. I I was one of those people who was um, really in love with English literature and history and that element of putting and applying law to the facts um, of a question was what really, really enticed me to studying law. So I then went on to study law at the University of Bristol. I started there in 2015 and graduated in 2018 with a law degree. And during university, I guess during my first year and second year, my view about law really changed. Um, I started feeling like this is a career where perhaps I may not fit in. And I actually didn't really enjoy learning law as much as I thought I would. So I started exploring other career options and I went into a tax internship at the end of my second year at a big four firm called EY. And I did a four week internship there and it really kind of solidified to me that I like the kind of corporate sphere. I like working in London. I liked the hustle and bustle. So it really aided me in that respect. And also in my final year, I guess I really started to enjoy learning about law a bit more. I started getting a little bit more engaged with my co and getting involved with uh, uni life as well and I guess uh, with that element I I, that passion for law I guess really uh, got inspired again and I applied for vacation schemes and I I got a vacation scheme at PwC which I do feel like my previous experience at EY really helped because in the interview for example they asked me questions like why are you interested in the big four and I was able to already relate to my experiences that I've had with EY and during the PwC vacation scheme which I did as soon as I graduated uh, from university in 2018 I was very much kind of the complacent VAC schemer I didn't really take it that seriously I thought that because I had the VAC scheme I'd secured the bag the TC was there (laughs) obviously that was not the case I was rejected and I then was back at square one and I took that year out essentially to paralegal and I paralegaled at a firm in Birmingham. And then I paralegal, I think I paralegaled there for about 
eight months maybe and then I moved back home and I paralegaled with a firm in Guildford and those two experiences I think really helped solidify that I wanted to be a trainee solicitor obviously not saying that you need to become a paralegal to help you come to that decision but I think for me the element of actually applying the law in practice and not just learning black letter law was what really appealed to me and I guess it was that original reason of why I even wanted to study law in the first place. So I guess paralegaling really helped me discover that again. And I applied to vacation schemes and direct training contracts in that year as well. And I got my three training contract offers the summer after. Um, so the sum, what I mean by summer after is the summer after my PwC rejection. So um, yeah, so then I did my um, LPC with my firm. So they funded for my firm, uh, sorry, my firm funded my LPC and I started my training contract last month. Um, I think it's hitting now eight weeks into my training wow. contract at Womble Bondington. So yeah, I'm in the construction disputes team and so far so good. Brilliant. Well, that sounds like a really great journey. Um, and what I like about what you sort of said is you, you, you know, you've gone into, uh, you know, obviously we can see that you've got success now, but there, but there has been maybe some stumbling blocks along the way. Um, For that, sure. you know, it would be great to kind of dig into a little bit more. Um, when we move on to the, the questions that are focused around uh, building your confidence, but before we get into those, I wondered if you could tell us a little bit more about your social media platform. Sure. So I started it off originally as a platform, which some of you guys who are listening may know it as, as Sims Legal Mentoring. And essentially what that was about was uh, providing a free advice, support and guidance to individuals of ethnic minority groups, of underrepresented communities, because I really did feel like there was a uh, lacking in representation. And it is, it is still the case. I'm not saying it isn't the case anymore. It is still the case that there is definitely more representation that's needed for people of South Asian backgrounds, particularly um, from my personal experiences as well. And it was essentially aimed at that element. And within that, I used to provide application reviews and stuff like that. I recently kind of rebranded, I think I rebranded into just my name and myself being the brand. Um, I think I did that sometime last year. I guess the main reason for that was I, I, I felt like with the time capacity, I couldn't really do application reviews as properly and to like my full effort anymore because of time constraints, because of all these different things that I've picked up. And however, how, however, the content and my objective still remains the same. I still believe that I want to make the legal career a lot more accessible to everyone. I still believe that there are people out there who experience a lack of information. When I was in the process, for example, I would hear loads of advice like make sure you research effectively or make sure you write concisely. And I, I, I wouldn't really kind of understand what that meant. How, how am I supposed to do that? So that's what my content aims to do. And that's why I created my platform and it still continues. And that's still my aim to this day. And uh, also, I guess the biggest thing that I want to do with my platform is to create more awareness of diversity and inclusion in the space. I feel like I wouldn't say I'm outspoken, but I am outspoken. Um, <laughs> I, I like to speak openly about uh, like where shortcomings are in the law field, what more can be done, uh, really tackling things like nepotism or, you know, anything, anything that comes up in the legal career, like social mobility, I'm more than happy to kind of open up the conversation and talk about that. Brilliant. Well, um, two of the things that you kind of mentioned, um, 
are kind of reasons why I'm such a I'm a big fan of your your oh, YouTube you. channel specifically I, I've been watching your videos on there um, and what I really like about them is the amount of detail that you go into with your videos like for example yeah. you said oh how to be such a firm um that's not always easy and I really like how you've broken that down in some of your videos and also um the fact that you well you said outspoken um but I just think that you, you're just very honest in yeah in in your content so yeah I really like Thank that you. so for any of the listeners um who haven't yet checked out um Simran's YouTube channel I will leave the link for that down below um and yeah I really uh really think the, the content's great so Thank um you. one of the one of the YouTube videos that I really liked that really hit like a chord for me was the um how I built my confidence video yeah um, I thought your advice was super helpful and I could really relate to a lot of things that you said about struggling with confidence at university etc um but I thought that well that kind of came as a little bit of a surprise to me um as you seem quite confident now um mm. so yeah. I just wondered if you could explain to the listeners who haven't seen your video about how you've previously struggled with your confidence and maybe your journey in building that yeah sure I, I think a lot of people get surprised uh with that if I'm honest with you <laughs> um a lot of people say you come across as someone who's really kind of uh, extroverted, really confident, um, someone who just, yeah, seems to act like she knows what she's talking about when half the time that really isn't the case. Um, <laughs> what I would say in terms of how I previously struggled with my confidence um, is firstly, I used to struggle with kind of physical appearance at school. I guess that was more kind of because of the opinions of other people at school kids can be savage right like we really mean um, high school was yeah high school drama oh my god and just you know I talk about in my video for example uh, someone saying I was a three out of ten and um you know just all these kind of like (laughs) it was it was really funny because that same person dm'd me on insta like like uh, during uni and I was like well can't just slide in my dms now can you but um (laughs) so uh yeah so there was that and um yeah I I was just really insecure about the way I looked and I guess um I tried to compensate for that for literally just really kind of being really imaginative and trying to be like yeah well I'm really cool I do this I do that when really I didn't do that um but I feel like a lot of school kids went through that kind of lying imaginative stage where they just really (laughs) exaggerate things when it's really not the case and when I went to uni I guess I kind of learned from my lesson with that aspect and I, I just told myself I'm going to be my most authentic self and when I was at university, I never really struggled with uh, physical appearance, like com- lack of confidence with my physical appearance. I think that was the stage where I actually started building that quite a lot. I'm more than happy to talk about that, obviously, um, later on in the podcast. Yeah. And um, I guess at university, I guess my insecurities fell in terms of my intellect. At school, I was very much used to being the person who didn't come at the top of the class, but I, I got decent grades. I was known as one of the clever ones. I was a bit of a geek at school. So when I went to university and everyone was clever and everyone knew what they were doing and I just felt really clueless um, and really kind of like just not on their caliber. And I just felt, yeah, I just really felt inadequate. And I think that's that was my big struggle with confidence when I was um, at university. And it later translated of when I was in the process after graduation as well. There were moments where I just felt like, 
I was at networking events or I was at assessment centers or interviews and I just felt like I didn't compare to anyone else there either because of those uh, lack of that insecurity that kind of settled when I was at university as well. So that was my kind of real struggle with confidence um, back in the day. Yeah, that's um, it's really interesting because I, I mean, I, I can relate to it in many ways, but just specifically what you've said about comparing yourself to others when I left university I actually didn't make any I didn't even try to break into the legal industry because I kind of looked on the websites of of law firms and and barristers chambers uh, you know but back back in the day and I couldn't see anyone who came from the same university as me who had the same background as me and I just thought you know what I'm I'm just not even going to try because I'll never compare so um yeah hopefully Hopefully things have changed a little bit more, but I think I think definitely improving confidence is is key for anyone who's kind of feeling the same way. Um, yeah. So for any of the listeners who, like me, might be working on their self confidence at the moment, what tips would you have for improving confidence? Sure. I feel like firstly, it's a journey from within. That sounds so spiritual and so much like you have to go on a gap year in Thailand to find yourself, that kind of thing. I definitely don't mean it like that. Um, I think I talked about the one element really briefly and it was authenticity. And when you start acting like your authentic self without acting like someone you're not, you kind of really kind of trick yourself into thinking, actually, I'm not that bad. (laughs) You know, I'm actually, you know, I've got a lot going for me. Uh, People seem to be enjoying what I'm saying or the content that I provide or the value that I provide. And I think one element of building self-confidence is understanding and being your authentic self. That's easier said than done, though, and it does take time and it can be a process. Um, But I realized that as soon as when I kind of left school and went into university, when I started being my authentic self, that's when everything started to build um, in terms of confidence. So that's where I started off. I would also say really avoid negative self-talk. So I know a lot of us do this. I still do this to this day, but I'm I'm a lot more conscious of it. But say if I'm in the mirror and I'm just looking at myself and I'm thinking, oh, you know, I don't look that great today. Or if I make a mistake and I'm like, oh, that's so dumb. Like, why would you do that? That kind of thing. That can really kind of internalize. And I feel like, again, part of self-confidence is accepting your mistakes and loving yourself. And those all sound really cliche, but they're really things that helped me when I wanted to improve my self-confidence. I also do try and make a big deal out of recognizing my own achievements, no matter how big or small they are. I know another YouTuber, for example, who actually lists down all the achievements that she makes, um, whether it be in the career space, in the professional space, in terms of personally, um, so maybe that's something I might try out as well. Um, but it is really about recognizing um, your small wins um, because they're the ones that it's not about kind of, you know, you have to shout about it on LinkedIn or Instagram. It's actually just mainly about personally recognizing it for yourself and understanding why you're proud of it. Um, so that's what I would say as well. And I would say also recognize those little triggers that make you feel like in certain situations you're less confident uh, for me, that could be things like uh, toxic friendship groups. It could be social media, because I do think the people around you, if you've not got a great support system around you, for example, if you've got friends that are really judgy, really kind of, uh, if they see someone, they're like, oh, how is she wearing that handbag? Or like, she looks absolutely dreadful. Um, I feel like that can like low key make you a bit not like it can make you a bit apprehensive, I guess, because you're worried that those same people might 
say the same thing about you um, in the future if you don't, I don't know, like look in a way that they'd want you to look or that kind of thing. So all those kind of toxic things um, with the people that you're around really kind of look out for those elements. Um, of course, there are certain things that you can't avoid. Say, for example, if you're in a, to- in a toxic kind of family situation, really try and understand what it is in those situations and how you can actually kind of block out or zone out or remove yourself from those situations um because there were certain people who um, messaged me as well on youtube after they watched my video and they really kind of resonated with that toxic element but sometimes you know these people are people that you live with and you can't really avoid so um i think it's really important to recognize how you can zone yourself out from those situations or um Yes. Yeah. It's it's easier said than done though, I guess. And with social media, I guess, in my opinion, it's a lot easier in terms of if you are feeling like a certain social media page, like Instagram or LinkedIn, for example, if you're seeing all these achievements, which is great, it's great seeing people's achievements, but I think we all have that wistful feeling of, oh, I wish that was like, it was like that for me. And that's not coming from a bad place. I, I, I genuinely think that's just human nature in terms of looking at someone's achievements and wanting that for yourself as well. And, um, what I would say is with that element, you can honestly just deactivate your social media and take that time out if you need. And when you are taking that break, I think it's important to really hone in on what it is on those pages. How can you go, if you decide, sorry, to go back on Instagram or go back on LinkedIn after a break, how will you ensure that you, you don't feel like crap when you're seeing those posts again? Um, that's what I try and do when I'm taking kind of my breaks, um, away from social media. I had to take one recently, actually just last weekend because I was putting, I was putting way too much pressure on myself in terms of looking at my stats, getting, you know, really frustrated that I wasn't growing fast enough. And what does fast enough even mean? Right. It's subjective. And, um, yeah, I think I think that's why I took my break. And during my break, I really kind of took that as a reflection period um, because I was really lacking confidence just last week in terms of the content that I created. Whereas someone like yourself, you know, you said you're a big fan of the channel. Um, yeah. It doesn't like behind the scenes, you don't really see that element because obviously oh, right. in, in front of the camera, I'm just like, oh, hi, everyone. Welcome to my channel, blah, blah, blah. It's all really smiley and all really kind of like bubbly. But sometimes it can really take its toll on you. So when you are starting to feel like those elements of, burnout in terms of lack of confidence in terms of insecurities it's it's great to take that time out too those are all really fantastic points um, and I really liked what you said about recognizing your small wins I think that's something that people can um, it's quite you know I, th- I think a lot of the things that you've mentioned um, are things that you can apply in your life but it might take some time to kind of work on the process of becoming more yeah. confident and you might get some knockbacks and you, you kind of need to you know really work on your mindset but I think one one of the things that you mentioned that can be kind of implemented straight away is recognizing your small wins and writing those down I think that's such a great idea um yeah like for example you might get 100 compliments but if you get one criticism what's the thing that sticks out in your mind the most exactly it's always it criticism right. and it just it, it, it doesn't matter right. how many compliments you get for some reason those just fall away so I think yeah. I think writing down your wins is um a really good idea sure. um so one thing I've since securing my my training contract last year I've Yay. been reviewing some applications for thank you for for some people who are still applying for training contracts and I've noticed a recurring theme um people don't seem to be comfortable selling their experiences in applications and I, I quote someone specifically who said that they they wanted to um, answer a question about their proudest achievement, but they didn't want to sound arrogant. Um, 
and and I guess this this might apply I mean some of the listeners might resonate with this and and have the same question so I wondered if you had any tips for how listeners can sell their experiences in applications and even interview really without without sounding arrogant yeah I mean the first thing is is in job applications it's it's about showing yourself off in a professional manner and understanding what makes you a suitable candidate so I think a lot of um the things like questions like tell us about your proudest achievement it is honestly that the firm is asking you to shine so shine um so that's the first thing I would say uh secondly I would say without trying if you don't want to sound arrogant really look out for the wording of how you say things. Uh, I talk about this in one of my old YouTube videos. I think I'm analyzing my worst applications or something. And I I remember I used the term in one application. I said, I mastered the ability to communicate with clients. And wow. you're going to, you're going to, you're, you're, I remember you're this, I've seen that video. Yeah, that's, that's, thanks for watching. But um <laughs> master the ability like what is that even about like if I'd mastered the ability to communicate I don't even need to have a trainee solicitor like you know I'm, I don't need a training role I <laughs> like you know I think yeah. it just came across as really OTT really kind of arrogant really like you know I don't need your training I've already mastered it and <laughs> um yeah I think it's really being mindful of the wording that you use on how you say things if I wanted to rephrase that I could easily say I've honed in on my ability or I've enhanced my ability because that just says that you know or I've improved my ability because that's not saying that you're at the absolute top of your game it's just saying that you've improved it and obviously it's suggesting that you know you aim to improve it even more as you go along in your career journey so essentially that's what I'd say as well look out for how you word things look out for those keywords that may sound a little bit OTT a bit flowery a bit arrogant and what I would say also is um when you are talking about things like your proudest achievement or those questions where you're allowed to kind of show off a bit about yourself, essentially just frame yourself in the mindset of your, essentially you're speaking facts, right? Your proudest achievement is your proudest achievement and no one can take that away from you. And then what you're doing is essentially linking it back to the firm that you're applying to. I wouldn't really necessarily call that showing off. I'll just call that answering the question and what's being asked of you. So I'll I'll just reframe the kind of narrative in my head um, in terms of what they're asking for. Because in an application, if you're not if you're not talking about your achievements in a manner in which that shows that you're proud of yourself, then the firm's not going to have that confidence to take you on either. If that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I think that's um, a really good explanation of that. So thank you so much. Congratulations on starting your training contract recently with Womble Bond Dickinson. How has it been starting your training contract in a pandemic? And what advice would you give to anyone who's about to undertake a virtual back scheme or start their training contract remotely? I would say firstly, I mean, thank you so much, first of all, for the kind words. I did start my training contract uh seven weeks ago now and I would say honestly hand on heart starting remotely was a lot harder than what I thought at first I thought before my training contract you know I've, I've done zoom calls before I, I'm pretty much used to things like communicating to a screen essentially so I thought I'd be okay however I think there's two key things when you're starting a training contract virtually that really made it hard a hard for me personally is firstly the element of not so being surrounded by people in your team or outside your team 
So learning, this has become such a key cliche, key term, like doing this whole thing, but the whole, um, you've probably heard this as well, Camilla, but learning by osmosis in terms of, um, I hate saying that now everyone keeps saying it it's really jarring me but um it's that element of um learning from people around you overhearing your partner on a conversation with a client or going to the kitchen and talking to someone or overhearing a conversation between two people is that kind of element is something that you really do miss out on when you are starting a job virtually whether it be in the legal sphere or not right and um, that is something that I found difficult, but also the element of not knowing whether I was disturbing people in my team. Um, I got really kind of wound up one week because I was really stuck on a question, but I just couldn't feel like I I could call my team members because I was worried that I was disturbing them or I was bothering them. And uh, yeah, I just got really kind of overthinking in my head. And it's it's quite difficult when you're literally just in your bedroom, and you're not in the office and you can't physically see people. Yeah. So that's what I kind of really found difficult. However, what I've really come to realize and in, in the last couple of weeks or so is that element of reaching out. It's about actually getting past that element of oh, I'm worried, I'm bothering them. If you're, if you're bothering them, if, you, if they're busy and you're calling them, they're not going to pick up or they'll, they'll send you a message and say, Simran, I'll call you like in five minutes. And it's really not that deep. Um, if, you know, I, I really kind of played it out in my head um, and I've, I've tried reaching out to more people now um, this week. Well, this week's only started, but last week and the week before. And it's really helped me out. And um, instead of racking my brains, being sat there for ages, being stuck on a question, I could just pick up the phone, call someone in my team. They would answer it. Job done. I can move on and carry on with the task free of mind and just, you know, with a lot less pressure and stress. So that's what I would say. Either both if, if you're on a virtual vacation scheme, or if you're starting a training contract virtually, is really making sure that you are going out of your way to communicate with the people in your team, with the people around you in the firm as a whole. Because essentially... Even when you've got a training contract, it is a two-year job interview. I'm not going to lie. I feel like that's one expectation that I had before. I thought that, you know, once you've got your training contract, you know, life is pretty chill. NQ jobs come easily. But the thing is, you are still expected to make your stamp in the firm. It's not really a time where you cut off the brakes. And um, you are still expected to reach out to individuals. You're still expected to be enthusiastic, to be keen. Um, Same way as you would be if you're on a vacation scheme as well. So it's about really kind of making the most of the situation. Like, you know, for me, there's nothing that I can do to change my training contract at the moment. Um, as in, I can't like go into the office. Well, I can go into the office, but my team's not there. So there's not really any point. Um, but, you know, I can't really change the situation I'm in. You know, working from home is very much going to be a reality for me in the near future. So it's all about embracing and making the most of that situation as much as I can make it, basically. I think that's some really great advice. Um, and yeah, hopefully anyone who's listening who has um, a, va- a virtual va- a vacation scheme or a training contract coming up can maybe learn from that and just learn to sort of reach out and, and just understand that they're not bothering people. Because I think, it, I think it is very different, isn't it? Like being in an office, you can just maybe just say to the person next to you, oh, have you come yeah. across this before? And it just doesn't seem like a big deal. But if you're picking up the phone or sending an email, it has that kind of layer of like more it's just more official it seems more official even though it's not or it shouldn't be it just kind of feels like that but um yeah no that's great advice so thank you for sharing so oh I think we yeah we're reaching the end of the questions which is um unfortunate but but the last one that I've got (laughs) for you is um if you could turn back time and give yourself one piece of advice um for you when you were at university or even at school um what would that be 
Yeah, it's um, I would say get involved in as much as you can and try not to let your own personal insecurities hinder you from doing that. Um, in my first year of university, I never really got involved with my law society because I was really intimidated by people because, like I was mentioning before, I I was really felt like I was inadequate because, compared to my cohort. So I just actively avoided law students as, you know, that was the way I reacted to it. Um, so that meant that when I graduated university, I didn't really feel like I'd made any connections in my cohort. And I felt like I didn't really kind of take advantage of the fact that law firms are actually coming to you when you're at university, because when you graduate, obviously, it's a lot more difficult to uh, get get kind of face to face communication with them without going to an open day or an insight day, which again, is also really competitive. So that's not to say if you've for those of you listening who've graduated from university, I'm not saying that, you know, you cannot create connections now that you've graduated university with no connections it's still possible um it's just something that i wish i um kind of made my life a little bit easier i guess um when i was at university and in terms of getting involved what i mean by that is you know attending your law society events um attending those networking events even sometimes networking can be so dry but really try and push past that prepare before going to networking events prepare set questions have an idea about who you're going to meet, what firm, what the firm's about, do some research beforehand. And then when you're at the event itself, really try and make sure that your questions get answered, but also listening to other people's questions as well, because they can really offer some insights that, you know, you wouldn't have thought of before. And also outside of law as well, um, really get involved with anything that you're really passionate about outside of university. Um, I think that was one element that really saved me. Actually, I was president of my Punjabi society at university. Um, so I was, yeah. And I was also social secretary of like Bollywood dancing or something as well. So yeah, those elements really, um, stood out in my application. I think they really like aided in bolstering my application. And I was, I was involved in my university law clinic as well in my final year, which was pro bono, uh, which I also really do recommend if you get the opportunity to do that. Um, so I would I would say also don't only try and focus on you know getting your law degree. Obviously, it's great. Your grades are important. You know, like getting a two one and above is great. Um, however, don't try and just siphon yourself off to be just doing that because unfortunately, law firms are looking for more than just grades at the moment. Brilliant. Thank you so much um, for all the all of the advice you've given during this episode. No worries. Um, and just finally, where can listeners connect with you and follow your journey? Yeah, sure. I mean, I am the most active on YouTube. Um, that's where kind of where most of my advice is. So if you've listened and you liked anything that I heard and you want to hear more, YouTube is probably the best place for that. And if you want to reach out and have a chat with me, um, feel free to message me on LinkedIn or Instagram. Brilliant. Okay, well, I'll leave the details um, to all three of those platforms um in the show notes so listeners can find those easily but yeah thank you so much and and um thank you to all the listeners for tuning in um yeah if you've got any questions um then yeah you can email us at hello at studentlawyer.com um and if you could leave us a rating and review um and give us a subscribe or follow wherever you listen to your podcasts that would be amazing so thank you everyone and goodbye To hear more of the Student Lawyers podcast, hit the subscribe button and leave us a star rating and review. If you would like to join the Student Lawyer as a writer, please email hello at thestudentlawyer.com. We'd like to thank Felix Knight for producing this podcast today.